Hey there, this is Lewis Johnson taking my love of sports into the world of esports. So I'm breaking down what's happening in the esports industry, talking with great guests, influencers, and tracking their personal and professional journeys to see how all of that has influenced where they are now. And in the end, I hope you're inspired. And so with that, welcome to All In With Esports. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of All In With Esports. We're going to call this an Olympic edition. It will be an abbreviated Olympic edition because by the time you hear this, I will be in Tokyo there in the heat, in the glory of track and field, uh, waiting for that to happen, staying right across the street from Olympic Stadium. So just so you know, it's a three-minute walk from the hotel to the venue, and I'm really excited about that. And we're just excited to be there um, when we get there. So um, again, glad that you're with us, and hopefully you've been catching up with some of our other episodes. Uh, Esports FPN is where you get those. And uh, just excited about uh, having another great conversation with somebody in the industry who's had lots of cool experiences and is busy, busy with uh, doing some things to help people get getting their branding right. Uh, sometimes, you know, you got to get your branding uh, uh, established. Sometimes you have to get it adjusted. Uh, sometimes it needs an overdue a rehaul, you know, all those good things. So we're going to talk about it today. Uh, and my guest today has been in the gaming industry a little over 15 years, um, started his career in the retail space. And then um, has experiences in publishing as well as running gaming tournaments. So really a nice mix of things. And the guest today is Roy, Ryan, I'm sorry, Harbinson. I'll be doggone. I was so focused on saying Harbinson, I got Ryan <laughs> wrong. <laughs> How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm great. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yes, it is Ryan and not Roy. <laughs> exactly. Ryan Harbinson. Very cool. So um, I'm in the Texas area. Where are you? Uh, so I'm right outside of Philadelphia. Uh, awesome. Yep. Okay. And how how was the weather up there? You know, we were getting barbecue in Texas. Gross. Yeah, hot is it really nasty and gross? Yeah. It's oh, like right man. now today. It's like 95 and like 100 percent humidity. It's ah, disgusting. So, so we've got common weather from where you are to where I'm recording now in Dallas to where I'll be when they hear this in Tokyo. Yeah, it's <laughs> right? a, it's terrible that? out here, and it's been like that for a couple of weeks now, and it's like uh, not a cloud in the sky, just bright sunny skies and just humid. So if you don't have the pool. Stay inside. <laughs> yeah, I got you. AC to AC, as we say in Texas. So um, anyway, man, it's great to catch up for a few minutes. And as I mentioned, this will be kind of an abbreviated version, but I just love connecting um, with people who are doing things in, in the agency, uh, in the business. And and um, our uh, my producer, Sia, was so great to connect me with you. And uh, so you're the director of business development for the ClearBridge Branding Agency. So tell me about a little bit about uh, ClearBridge and what you guys do. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we are uh, located uh, down here in South Jersey. Uh, we've got offices in Philadelphia and in Chicago, um, really a group of industry vets that have come together to start something special. So um, our VP of digital is an expert writer for Forbes. Um, our creative director has been involved in uh, rebrands for major hospitals, uh, uh, different uh, rail system lines, Goldman Sachs, and many, many others. And uh, our VP of strategies run national campaigns for KFC and Taco Bell. So really bring that big city feel, but to the middle of South Jersey, because we don't, and, and now we've learned that we don't have to be in the middle of the city because we can do everything digital more than ever. Right, it's, right. It's crazy, man. And um, listen, yeah, that, that's been, that has been like the lesson of the pandemic, right? I agree. Did you know about Zoom before the pandemic started? 
I did, but I, I'm a I'm a road warrior, so I would yeah. never. I, I I want coffee and beers and cigars <laughs> with people, but now it like really opens it up. And I mean, for me and yeah. myself, I mean, I've been able to kind of uh, really uh, expand my network uh, throughout the whole U.S. I mean, I've probably had contacts in three or four different states before, and now I'm up to about eighteen or twenty. Wow. And I would have never met those people. I mean, I was doing probably about. 10, in every every 10 days doing about a month worth of networking just wow. for intros doing 20 to 25 zoom calls a week and just you know giving and just it's making introductions for everybody and yeah we grow one we grow all and helping everybody work together it's just the name of the game so really and that that's so true it is the name of the game and you know in our world on the media side of things i mean we have our way of kind of doing things but it's really interesting to hear how you did that and i've everybody i've talked to uh, has has really discovered something in this entire uh, pandemic deal where you've you've been forced to do things a different way. I mean, we've uh-huh. had a lot of remote broadcasts that kind of became a big thing uh-huh. in our world because of uh, the pandemic. But uh, let's, well, it's let's, the classic adapt or die, right? Right. Don't right. You can't get left in the dust. I mean, That's I was it. running digital events and like hosting like happy hours like day four. <laughs> day four, you didn't wait. I'm like, let's go, everybody, come on in. Let's all be friends. <laughs> I love and, it. I uh, love it. It's, it's just part of it. And, you know, it, it's really kind of brought out uh, who is still in that hard sales pitch mode um, mm-hmm. and who is a go-giver. And, and that's really what it is. You know, um, I always say, I have many mantras in my life, but for every 12 gives, you get an ask. And yep. it's all about that low and slow mentality, patience over greed, as I always yep. say. I love that. I love that. And I always believe in the long-term versus the short-term, you know, Amen quick, to that. quick thing. Yeah. You know, relationships are everything. I mean, I um, can make those phone calls and send those emails all day, but <laughs> if you don't think that person I'm calling doesn't have 40 other people that do the same thing that they know and they know their kids, then you're just not thinking about the long-term stuff. That's exactly right. Before we get into some of your background, which I always find very important to share because people are in one position, but they, they've been somewhere to get there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, come on, take me behind the scenes of what the daily life is like in a branding agency. What's going yeah, on, sure. on on a daily basis? You know, it's funny. So um, a lot of people have uh, really kind of uh, seen in our world, we the first couple months of everything was was crazy, but then everyone realized that they weren't traveling. Right. So the travel budgets kind of were null and void. So a lot of people were then taking those those budgets and moving them over to the branding side because you know internet traffic is up like 350% and it's still high because now everyone's seeing how much work they can do online. So, you know, we kind of look at things from a from a multi-tier process, right? So really what we do is we create phase-based campaigns that go across multiple mediums to kind of spread the message and get in front of the right people. So branding and creative is kind of where we start and really where we shine as an agency. Um, And then really, what does that messaging look like? And who's that target audience that we want to get in front of? Um, And then really our, our checklist, right? So TV, radio, video, SEO, social, web. Um, We're doing a lot of internal stuff. Um, We're really starting to see trade shows come back with, of vengeance. So we're creating like campaign style trade show booths for people that are telling a story for the trade shows. Uh, we're doing a lot of back end um, sales material stuff. And then really like pitch decks are coming back because a lot yep. of investors are looking to get back. So we'll develop like a pitch deck for like a startup company and then integrate our budgets into their pitch so that when they get funded, then we can kind of continue to push the the strategy that we've kind of implemented into them when they go. Um, and we've been seeing a lot of people kind of see the, what's the classic, you know, you don't work in your business, you work on your business. So we're seeing yeah. more of that. So people are kind of like being able to stick their heads out of the weeds a little bit and be like, 
maybe it's time for not so much a rebrand, but maybe a refresh, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of pop it up a little bit and really kind of try to keep everything consistent because your brand tells the story of who you are and you don't want a lot of wild, wild west stuff going on where you're using different colors and different fonts and things are low res and the graphics aren't always the same. You want people to see that and recognize who you are so that when they think of what you do, you stand out of the crowd. Yeah, that is all great stuff. A phased based campaign. That's pretty cool. Um, one of the other things I want to ask you here early on is, um, it seems there's been so much change. We've been forced to change things. Of you know, people seeing things differently. They're spending, as you as you said, so much more time uh, online uh, to get information or interact or what have you. So, how are you helping companies uh, transition and maybe revitalize their brand, these their brands in this phase of COVID? I won't say mm-hmm. at the end of COVID because it's not over. But you know, as we are where we are now, how are you helping some of these companies? And maybe in particular, you could maybe think about the esports world if, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I think part of it too is uh, is really educating people on what right? And it's understanding that, especially on on the digital side, there's so many things you can do with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and YouTube, and the list goes on and on for days. So part of that is understanding how we can work directly with your marketing department. Because what we've seen is a lot of people's marketing groups are just overwhelmed with how much stuff can be done. And it's an analysis by paralysis thing, right? So there's so many things to do that you don't do anything and then nothing gets finished. So what we really do work well, especially on the esports side and a lot of our clients is what we like to do is more of the the, the, the corporate content, right? That, that best in show mentality and getting that message in front of everyone and then working and coming up with that campaign looks like and what the style guides are and maybe what that new look and feel that we're doing on the on the on the big picture side and then working directly with people's marketing departments so that they can do what we kind of call kind of the the culture content that day-to-day stuff right you know um you know, maybe you're signing a new player. So that's great. So like, let's do a whole thing where you guys highlight the player. And then we do a big thing where we're showing everybody that you, you signed a new player, or, you know, maybe you guys just upgraded everything, uh, you know, for the team and you're there. We're not there every day. So like do some quick video, be like, Oh, that's right. NVIDIA just gave us these amazing new cards. <laughs> and we all know video cards are impossible, you know, and we post that up and then we can then take off some of the things that we see that's going well in that, culture content. And then we say, oh, wow, you guys did really good organically on that. So maybe we'll put up an extra area where we can kind of push that out and really promote what you guys are doing. So- very cool. And then uh, what what about um, your reach? Are you guys working mainly domestically? Are you doing anything you know with companies overseas, uh, teams overseas? What's happening? There? Uh, so right now we are we're in the U.S. right now, but uh, we have <clears throat> capabilities to work with people all over all, yeah. over, all over the world. Yeah. So um, you know the digital game is great, um, and that's really where we can reach everybody. Um, a lot of times we have the the blueprint that we already kind of have that's laid out. It's that extra twenty five to thirty percent that kind of changes based mm-hmm. on the industry, the messaging, and who the target audience really is. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about some of the people I've had on this show uh, from other parts of the world that are involved with gaming heavily, but really building great companies. And uh, I'm just listening to your energy, your passion, your expertise, and your detail. Uh, man, they need to meet a guy like you. So I'm hoping that <laughs> yeah. maybe there'll be some kind of cross-pollination yeah. here across all of these sports. That would be cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm in, a, I'm in a weird world where uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a marketing guy that can talk tech, which doesn't yeah. really exist just because yeah. of my background. That's pretty cool. We're going to talk about that. And we're talking with Ryan Harbinson, the Director of Business Development for ClearBridge Branding Agency. And let's talk about your journey. So you, you, you sent me a note. You said you've been in the gaming industry for a little over 15 years. 
And uh, tell me about starting a career in the retail space. Uh, yeah, Funko yeah. Land, GameStop, Game the old Crazy. Old school stuff. Yeah, so uh, Funko Land, the old great, uh, the great one where uh, you had the newspaper that had the trading prices back in the day. And um, so I started there. Uh, and man, that was a great company. Love that company. And uh, they eventually got bought by GameStop. Um, I was always management um, at some sort. And then uh, when GameStop came in, I was running stores. Um, and then made my way to Game Crazy, which was kind of. Um, uh, they were actually inside Hollywood videos. So oh, it was yeah. a game store inside Hollywood video. So um, on the retail side, I had worked there for a long time. And then uh, when I was around 24, um, two of my buddies and I um, started a software company. So um, we were like, hey, we're, we've been in this world for a long time. And I think we could probably make some stuff. So uh, long story short, uh, we eventually had uh, two games published on Nintendo DS. Um, and then uh, we're uh, making games on the on the App Store. Um, when we were making games uh the ipad hadn't even come out yet that's how wow. it was which is yeah you can't even like think about it now yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so accessible <laughs> did life and, really exist without an ipad and I know. everything you it, know it's crazy man so you know we were doing so we did a bunch of apps for the store we we're doing web design and graphic design and um and then at the same time i was actually working for a handful of publishers um, so I uh, worked for three different publishers i've got about 100 games or so under my belt for um, the sony and nintendo platform how many about a hundred or so, yeah. My goodness. Uh, so I was involved with the publishing side. So uh, Game Boy Advance, DS, 3DS, mm -hmm. PS2, PSP, Wii, all that. So um, you know, I'm going to ask you right here. Um, uh, we we love to really talk STEM and Steam across our entire platform, Mappy Sports Network, and I and I love to get a little bit of, of detail into what it takes to publish a game because you know we have young viewers, our listeners, what have you. Yeah, sure. What are some of the steps to a taking something question. from an idea? to the creating the games and then having it published. How does sure. That so, um, well, you know, when I started making games in like 2006, there was no real <laughs> engines and stuff like that. Now there's a lot more accessibility. So, you know, being able to make games is, is a lot more, I wouldn't say easier, but it's more accessible that, than ever. Um, Game Maker is a great um, engine that we used to use 2D platform. Um, but really, I love Unity. And that's what we use for a lot of our okay. stuff. So Unity is a great engine. Um, and what Unity does is it really unites everything so you know back in the ps2 and xbox and, and gamecube days you literally could make um x amount of the game uh for a platform but then you would have to like try to you know create some of the code and then bring it over and then have to rewrite like 40 to 60 percent of the game because each one was using a different os and nintendo didn't play nice with microsoft and all all the way around they now, couldn't talk to did, each other right they did not talk to each other very right. similar to the apple and and uh, pc days back yeah. in the day right yeah. and and now what unity what you can really do is that you you can actually create game code and basically spit it out onto multiple platforms mm. so pc and mac um all the major gaming consoles uh, all the way through so it, it is absolutely amazing and, and what's great about unity is that they have an app store that's integrated into the platform itself so instead of me writing lines and lines of code to create a physics engine or a lighting engine or even like character models i can actually go into the app store and i can just purchase that and bang i got lighting so wow. it, it's amazing and i'm, I'm um, looking up unity on my phone right now so i can learn something but what i i see i don't think i can learn so i'm gonna let you explain it to me <laughs> yeah so i mean if you look now i mean there's been major uh, titles that have been published on the unity engine i actually just got them playing one called stranded deep which okay. is pretty much like cast away the game and the whole game is beautiful and it's all made on unity 
It's and it's on multiple platforms, multiple consoles as well. So that's a great way to start. Uh, the other side too is you know it's it's easy to kind of find a team. I mean, you can work remote uh, with people now too, and understanding what your role is, right? So like really to do what you you need to do, you have to. I always say write a game design document. I mean, that is an old school style. It's like writing a script. Um, I always say write a game design doc out like a first draft on paper and mm-hmm. then type up your, de- your design doc. And that's going to break down levels, mechanics, you know, what your character development looks like, all that stuff. And then so would the- that be, would that be like me in, in the media world uh, writing a treatment for a potential new show that I want to, I want to correct. Create? Same deal. Okay. It's like writing a script for a movie. Okay. Same deal. All right. And then what's great about that is that after that, that design doc is written, um, you know, I always say all the time, you know, Grand Theft Auto three, you know, they wrote Grand Theft Auto, three vice city in san andreas but they didn't add swimming until san andreas right so you have okay. to go through and be like what's feasible in the timelines actually give yourself like agile development cycles and waterfall to actually like have the process be there so that you're actually holding yourself accountable for deadlines and once that design doc is actually created that's when you bring in your tech team and you allow your tech team to read your design doc and the tech team should also write a TDD, which is a technical design document, right? So it's the same thing, but they basically go through and they write all their code out first and foremost, or at least the early stages of what that looks like. Because when they write the second version, actually in C Sharp, C++, Java, HTML, whatever you're going to use, they can actually have that draft in there. Um, The other side too, is that make sure you write clean code. Have notes in your code that explain what your functions are and what what variables you're calling, so that if someone gets you know kicked off the team or can't do anymore, and you bring in new programmers, I can come in and I can read your code and know exactly what's going on. So, like if it says, "Oh, this is Raptor Cheeseburger," I don't know what that means. So you need to explain to me what that <laughs> function is and what that variable is for. Wow. Um, so that's a great way to start, and then really not underestimating the importance of sound design. Uh, mm-hmm. And music as well, too. I think people overlook that the most. Um, so sound and music really takes your stuff to the next level. Um, I think the, the team at Nether Realms does a great job, Mortal Kombat. Those guys have amazing sound design and amazing uh, music as well. And same with the, the guys who are at Santa Monica Studios that do God of War. I mean, you want to talk about phenomenal, phenomenal sound and, and music that no, nothing touches the God of War guys. So. Wow. I mean, you just took everybody to class in like five <laughs> minutes on how to do that. And, and that's so cool because, you know, we want to be able to share with kids about uh, this process of coding and creating games. And that right there was a quick class. That is awesome on it. So I mean, if after- you look at, well, if I could just say one last thing. Yeah, so if you yeah. look at, remember, if you look at Minecraft, Minecraft was started as an open source title that people worked on the code for him to build that. So he would build code and then allow everyone to see it and then bring that in. And then he would then have it. it Look into if you if you don't know the whole story of Minecraft. Yes, Minecraft is amazing. It's used for education now. Microsoft owns it. We we see all that. But the early days of Minecraft are it's an amazing story of how that game was made and how the internet really helped bring that game to life. So it was open for people to go in and, and add what they wanted to it. And, 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 he, and he's working with people and not just a smart guy. I mean, he wrote a lot of that game himself, but said like this is the things we're trying to do and brought people in to help the internet craziness. <laughs> It really crazy this. Wow. So uh, going from all of that uh, and to the early days there at Funko Land and beyond and then, you know, creating the software company and then uh, 
of course, publishing games with over 100 titles. Then you started running esports tournaments uh, from Madden 3. What else were you doing there? Oh, man, we were doing – so it's crazy. We were doing esports before it was really even esports. So yeah. we were running tournaments uh, back in the day and during the GameStop and Game Crazy days. Um, so we were running huge Madden tournaments with 64 players, which, by the way, Madden tournaments are the longest tournaments in the world. We would start <laughs> at like 10 o'clock and it's like 8.15 and we're still doing the championship game. You oh, know, man. after a while, we're like, you play two quarters until you make it to like the semifinals and we'll let you play a full game. And it's only like three minute quarters because it takes so long. Um, we were running Smash Brothers tournaments, like Halo 1 tournaments. Um, we had a really good relationship with our Sony rep. Uh, for the area. So we did a lot of like home run derby contests with, um, for MLB, the show when Ryan Howard was on the cover of, of the game. So a long time ago. So doing wow. esports stuff before it was actually kind of a thing, man, incredible. Um, and so where do you see the industry now? I mean, I just see there's been so much change globally and it looks as though the numbers for people who are playing and involved with the esports industry at large have grown exponentially and continue to grow. Where yeah. do you see things going, you know, in the next, you know, six months, year, what have you, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think what we're going to see is I think esports is kind of stuck in its one category. And I think really mm -hmm. there's four full categories that that the, the everything can kind of go into. And I think one of the main things we're going to see, you know, the industry as a whole was $75 billion. Esports is just under $2 billion last year with two console launches. Um, it's very exciting. It's a very young uh, industry. But I think what we're going to see is that the more that esports continues to grow, the more that we see like Philly has the fusion stadium that's being built right across from the major stadiums uh, down here in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to see it become more mainstream and pop culture. And when we get that more of that pop culture uh, element, I think the industry is going to change immensely. And I think right now we've got one major group, which is PS PS4, Xbox One and up. Right. So it's mm -hmm. 2K, it's Street Fighter, it's Smash Brothers, it's, you know, Call of Duty, it's it's all that. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that's all people look at the industry as right now. There's a whole nother world of PS3 and 360 and down. Right. You know, there are games that we're going to see leagues that are going to come out that are specifically for old school stuff. Maybe I'm just a really nasty super dodgeball for NES player. And all my team plays is super dodgeball for Nintendo. And that's it. You know, I can't wait to see the days where we have like uh, Carol in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, who's 68 years old and crochets, but she is the world Tetris champion because she is <laughs> nasty at Tetris, <laughs> right? So we're going to see a whole, I think, influx of the older stuff that's going to happen. I think the other thing we're going to see is we're going to see more live things of people doing speed runs live. I want to watch somebody who's super amazing at Ninja Gaiden for NES beat it live in front of a crowd, right? I want to mm -hmm. see that, you know, and, and then there's a whole another world for people like myself that are, that are single player guys. Like I want to see somebody that's really amazing at, at splinter cell uh, conviction. That is just memorized all the AI paths knows where everybody's at, has everything maxed out and goes in and just destroys the game. Maybe they're like, I mean, I would, I would love to see someone that is so good at Hitman that it's just like sickening. Like, I think that's going to happen. We're going to see single player really become, uh, even like think of it as more as like the opening act, right? So we've got, we've got a smash brothers tournament for, you know, uh, for switch. That's the big draw, but maybe we've got an opening act of a guy who's going to play a single player game for 25 minutes and kind of get the crowd ramped up. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that happening soon. Once we get this more and more people, I mean, you got to remember, 
the Gen X through uh, early uh, beginning of millennial and, and everybody else, everybody plays games. Yeah. So everybody that's under 45, 50 years old, the majority of people all play games. So right. it's going to get to a point where the older generations are not going to be around. And the old, the older people that are in their 60s are like, oh, what, you think you're going to combat on Atari? Let's go. I've been playing that since the 70s. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see it all evolve uh, when there's different categories of esports for people to enjoy. Incredible. And 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 at the time when and when when our, our fans are listening to this episode, um, and I'm in Japan uh covering the games, and everybody, all the athletes, uh Ryan, are on lockdown, right? In the athletes village. What do you think they're going to be doing? They're all playing games. They're gonna be gaming. Exactly, exactly. Are uh, they gonna be they're playing, gaming? Uh, they're playing Marion Sonic at the Olympics, probably. Is that what you think, Marion Sonic? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Man, what a great conversation. So, how can people reach you if they want to get more information or chat with you about their brand or even the business or gaming or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the best way to reach out to me is I'm on LinkedIn. I have a large presence on LinkedIn. Uh, You can check us out at clearbridgebranding.com. And any way we can connect, I would love to uh, chat. So, man, you got to come back at some point. We can have Anytime. more time to talk about any something more specific. Uh, you, you've just given so much information. You took people to class on everything. But a great quick conversation that I hope people have enjoyed as they take a little break away from the Olympics and, of course, stick with, with esports. But, man, I want to wish you the best and just uh, appreciate your passion and energy. And your story is great. Uh, your journey has been pretty cool. And what you're doing right now, I've got to believe, is super helpful for any client uh, who you happen to deal with. They got to be thankful to have you around, Ryan. Well, I'm excited to see who's going to be the first company to step up and do the esports Olympics. So, well, I'm going to tell you, I, my ears and nose are wide open for that. Let's let's make sure we stay in touch on that one, okay? All right, let me I, know. And if we're involved, I want you right with us, okay? And if you're playing <laughs> Halo One, you got to use the old hamburger controller, the original Xbox, the big fat daddy. That's the rule. Okay, okay, <laughs> I'll have to look for that one. Listen, great pleasure, man, and all the best, huh? Hey, thank you so much, and have a great time out there. It's going to be awesome. I appreciate it, man. What a great conversation. Ryan Harbinson, Director of Business Development for ClearBridge Branding Agency. Look him up on LinkedIn. I mean, you heard all that passion, all the energy, the experience, the detail and what he knows about gaming and about the whole industry. And my gosh, anybody who has this guy come into their business to look at their branding has got to be like mesmerized. Like, you just tell me what to do and I'm going to do that because he clearly has so much experience and wisdom in the business and just clearly is passionate about it. So great stuff. Look him up again on LinkedIn. Ryan Harbinson. Director of Business Development for the ClearBridge Branding Agency. All right, gang. So that's going to wrap up this uh, brief, uh, short edition of All In With Esports. Uh, once again, thanks to Aaron and Sia, who are always right there helping me get these uh, things to you, Innovation Media Enterprises. And appreciate you guys being with me today. Hope you've been inspired. That's always very important. And let's talk again soon on All In With Esports. Hey, thanks so much for listening to All In With Esports. Now, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast channel. And we would love to hear from you about this or any other shows on the Esports Future Eye Network. 